Greetings, Cornerstone. Hope everybody, <laughs> hope everyone's doing well. And for those that are fathers today, I wish everyone a happy Father's Day. Today's word will be taken from Matthews chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Again, it's Matthews 18, 21 through 25, and it's from the NIV. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother and sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell to his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Lillian. And thank you for those of you who have been praying for me as I recover from my hernia repair surgery. As you can see, I'm alive and I'm moving and I'm good. So thank you for that. Appreciate that. And this is our second message on Matthew 18. Pastor Paul and I chose this chapter because it focuses on life in kingdom community, which simply is the church, the body of Christ. And that is so important for how we relate to each other. So we look to Christ and his teachings for this. And this chapter deals with that. Uh, he provides, Jesus provides for us some principles and also some very practical ways for us to relate to each other uh, in, within his body, with his spirit indwelling us. And Pastor Paul last week focused on, from the first 14 verses, on this key characteristic um, that is to be among us, and that is humility. And really, Christ himself was an example of that to us. But humility is so important for us and a quality of us to be the body of Christ on earth. Today, we're going to learn from Jesus on this issue of forgiveness and how it is to be present in our relationships with one another not only within the body of Christ, but outside the body of Christ too, but we're focusing on in our community. And we're, in the flip side of this, we will see that unforgiveness is a prison for the heart. Oh, 
I'll turn this on. Yeah, there we go. And an example of this uh, is this man called uh, named Leonard Holt. He was a model of respectability for his community. He was middle-aged. He was hardworking. He was uh, worked like over 19 years in this his local paper mill in Pennsylvania, and he'd been a Boy Scout leader. Uh, he was an affectionate father, a member of the local fire brigade. He was a regular at his local church and was admired as a model for his community in this small town. Until that image exploded one October morning in this hour of bloodshed. And uh, he was a proficient marksman. So he, he packed uh, two loaded pistols in his coat, and he went to the mill that day, that morning, as he would normally for work, and he walked calmly and carefully into his shop, and then he, with proficiency and calculated <coughs> excuse me, frenzy, he started to put at least two to three bullets into every one of his coworkers there as they started to scatter. And he fired more than 30 shots, killing some men that he had worked with for over 15 years. It was like puzzling to the community. They were shocked. They were like, what happened? And policemen and family friends finally found this train of logic that explained what, how did he get to this point in this brief reign of terror. See, down deep within the heart of Leonard Holt was this huge issue of resentment. And when they looked into this, and here's some of the facts, several victims had been promoted over him where he remained in his position. And then also, some of the, uh, he used to carpool with people to work, but then one by one, people stopped carpooling with him because of his reckless driving. He, he was a man full of bitterness and rage and that could be held no longer, and so he exploded that one morning. And his heart was a prison being overcrowded with this resentment, this bitterness, and these hurts that went unresolved. Now, I hope you and I never get to this point of Leonard Holt of dealing with our bitterness. But we all harbor, at times, bitterness and unforgiveness. And the problem, as Mr. Holt discovered, is that when we do harbor this, that it then becomes uncontrollable. We cannot control it. It, be, it starts to control us. It infects every area of our life, our relationships, our work, our families, even our faith. It just seeps into everything, and some of us are here today bitter about something. Some, some hurt we've experienced, some injustice we've ex faced in life, maybe betrayal of a friend or, or uh, insensitivity of a family member or a spouse, or maybe just situations and circumstances in our lives that always seem to work against us, and we just become bitter about it. And whatever the reason we have this bitterness, the result is that it will grow to influence us more and more until it almost, in a sense, defines us. So how do we rid our lives of bitterness that seeks to control us, to define us in the sense of how we view things in the world? Well, the key 
is to unlocking the chains of bitterness is forgiveness. And this is what we see in our text that was just read for us. Today's text, Jesus taught his followers that God's forgiveness and our acceptance of it then transforms us from the inside out. It changes our heart, or at least if we truly accept God's forgiveness, it will change our heart. If we don't truly accept God's forgiveness, our heart will still remain a prison, a prisoner to this unforgiveness. So in verse 21, we hear Peter, one of Jesus' followers, uh, in that inside uh, trio of G- Peter, James, and John, Peter uh, asked this question, seeking to understand forgiveness. And Jesus before this had just explained how, uh, how, how to respond to a brother or sister when they sin against us in order to re- reconcile with them. And so Peter asked this question, saying, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, why did Peter ask this question? It seems like Peter understood forgiveness as a commodity that you use and eventually you kind of run out like money, right? And if you think that way, then we would be asking questions like in relation to love in the same similar way. Like how, how much do I need to love my wife or my husband or my children? I mean, like how much? And when do I not have to love them anymore, you know? And, and in the same way here, what we're seeing is this question, how much do I need to forgive my brothers or sisters that sin against me? How often do I have to forgive them? And Jesus answered in verse 22, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. In another way, some translations hold this uh, 77 times is like seven times 70. And, and so it's like 70 uh, or 490 times. But the fact is, it's not the number that counts. It's this idiom that Jesus uses is simply meaning, in that day and age, as many times as it takes. In a sense, there's no end to it. You just got to keep forgiving them. You just keep forgiving, no matter what. And the point that Jesus is saying here is that forgiveness really has no boundaries. There's no limit to it. You just forgive your brother and sister who sins against you. And so what Jesus meant here is that forgiveness is really a state of the heart, not a matter of calculation. Like, well, I've already forgiven them before, and then they did it again, so I mean, what's the... Yeah, I'm not going to forgive them now, because that's that's the limit. It's over. I mean, don't we feel like that, though? It's like, man, how many times do I have to deal with this junk (laughs) from this person? And we hold on to it, and we don't forgive them. You know, it's, Jesus explained what he meant here with this story then that he goes on to tell. And it's important to understand in the scriptures when we read it, whenever we see this word, therefore, we know that what was just said is connected to what's coming. And so Jesus begins this story with this word in verse 23. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, through this parable and this story, we see an image of just how amazing the forgiveness of God is. I love stories, and this is a good story. 
And, and it illustrates this point that Jesus was just making with this idiom he used with Peter in response. And so here we see uh, in the story that there's these servants that are brought to settle accounts with the king. And, and these servants must have been, you know, you think of a kingdom, it's huge, like the United States, you know, a country. And these servants must have had some responsibility for large sections of the country because the amount of money here is huge. It, it's just unbelievable. And so we're assuming that, uh, well, for example, 10,000 bags of gold, as it says here in the NIV, the word there is talents, you may have heard that before, um, is just such a huge amount of money. So we would assume, like, you know, this, this guy must have been in charge of something big and something went wrong. To give you some context here, the basic unit of the Roman coinage is the silver denarius at this point in time. Jesus was telling this story. Equal to a, a day's labor of a normal common worker. And we know this because two chapters later in Matthew 20, Jesus tells this story, another story, and it's about the workers in the vineyard. And a, a reasonable day's pay is a denarius. It's one coin like this. So a denarius will give us some kind of uh, reference to what 10,000 talents or bags of gold is worth. So it's a fair day's wage. So let's translate that into today's thinking. So let's say a common laborer today makes $20 an hour, all right, and you work eight hours a day. So that's $160. So a denarius is maybe worth about $160 if we use that. Of course, in those days, they didn't work eight hours. They worked from, you know, light to darkness, so there's probably about 10 or 12 hours, but we'll just say eight hours for our sake, $160. So one talent, one talent is 6,000 denarii. So how much money is that? Come on, how much money is that? Quick. $160 times 6,000. Well, I'll help you out here. I got my calculator, did it earlier. It's $960,000. It's almost a million dollars. Right there, one talent. And this is 10,000 talents. Comes to $9.6 billion. Yeah, this guy owed that much. I mean, just to give you a little reference, Kanye West earlier this year claimed that he was worth $10 billion. Right? So, but imagine owing $10 billion. <laughs> just think, personally, yeah, no matter what, you're getting out of college and you ended up owing $10 billion. How long is it going to take you to pay that back? Right? Ten billion, not million, B. <laughs> Ten billion dollars. Well, that's a lot of money. It's huge. Right? So look at verse 25 now. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay it. Now, it was common practice in those days to sell yourself into slavery if you owed something you couldn't repay and it was like working off your debt so it, it wasn't like slavery like we knew in uh, the americas here but it was more like a a servant that you're you'd work and they would keep track and it'd be eventually pay off your debt but even this act would not even come close to paying back the king because of what was owed him 9.6 billion dollars right so the top price for a slave at that time, if it was a good slave, would be one talent. But most slaves were a tenth of that worth. So they're never going to be able to 
repay his debt by being sold into slavery. Verse 26. And then this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Liar. (laughs) He's not going to be able to pay back $9.6 billion. Yeah, no way. And the servant was desperate, and he promises this impossible thing to save himself and his family. And, you know, if he and his family did common labor, assuming that he had four children, so it would be six people working to repay this debt from being, in, being uh, forced into slavery, I figured out it would take over two million years for them to pay back this $9.6 billion. So that's r- ridiculous. And even if we assume that because his training and he was you know, in a high position, so let's say he made, was able to make 100 denarii a day, and you know, his, his, sibling, or his children and his wife just still the same, it only cuts it down to a few hundred thousand years to pay back $9.6 billion. It's crazy. So the king knows this guy's claim is meaningless. It's just words he's pleading with him. But in verse 27, we read, as Jesus tells the story, the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Amazing. The king had such compassion on this man who was helpless to pay him back, and yet he canceled the debt and let him go. It seems like a simple act, but $9.6 billion? Ouch! <laughs> you know? Yeah, according to our debt, though, that's nothing now, right? And what are we up to now? $30 trillion or something like that? I don't know. But $9.6 billion for an individual is, is tough to pay back. It's impossible. You know, but many of us, if you've ever used calculators, you know, if you make a mistake, you can just hit the clear button and then everything's wiped out clean and you can start over again to do it right this time. Well, this is like what happened here. It's like this debt was just, boop, cleared, gone, start over. You're clean. You're good to go. And this is what exactly is the image here that Christ Jesus is trying to portray of the idea of forgiveness, of what God does to us when he forgives us. It's gone. It's it's cleaned out. He doesn't remember the sins we've committed because we have been forgiven. There's divine forgiveness. It's gone forever. You know, the consequences of our sin may remain. They probably will in this side of eternity, we say. But the legal, the guilt, the legal condemnation of those sins is cleared out in Christ Jesus. So long long before Jesus even came to tell this story, God in his wisdom is preparing the world, and Israel specifically, on this whole concept of forgiveness by providing a dramatic illustration of complete forgiveness of sins. Do you know what that is? Do you remember? The Israelites witness it every year at this time, and they still practice and remember this every year, the Jews do, every single year. It's something they, they have a special day of worship. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. God instituted this early on when he gave the law to Israel, something that they were to do that was foreshadowing what Christ would do himself. And Leviticus 16 records the Lord's instructions about Yom Kippur. And the Lord had the high priest, the high priest of Israel, to choose two male goats. 
And one goat was to be offered as a sin offering for the sins of the whole Israelite community. All of Israel, all the sins were to be um, taken care of by this offering of the one goat. They were burnt offering, a sin offering. And then the other goat was supposed to be used as a scapegoat. And this is how it is described of what the high priest is to do in Leviticus 16. He says, He is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the desert in the care of a man appointed for the task. And the goat will carry on itself all their sins to a solitary place, and the man shall release it in the desert. This imagery here is the image of Christ Jesus being our scapegoat. All our sins are on him, and he just takes them away from us. This is something that the Israelites were familiar with and preparing them for Christ's coming. Psalm 103 says the following in describing this, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. This is God's intent for you and me to remove our sins from us through Christ Jesus and our faith in him. He is saving us from what we deserve because of our rebellion against him. This is the truth of the kingdom of God, but it's not something forced on us. We must receive this forgiveness. We must accept it by following Christ Jesus as our leader and Lord acknowledging what he has done. That's the key. Evidence for our accepting God's forgiveness in Jesus is our willingness to confess our sin, our willingness to turn away from our sin and seek his forgiveness, knowing that we already have it in Christ. As 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Listen to what happened next then, knowing this in our story. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. The fellow servant owed him a, a hundred denarii, a hundred silver coins. So how much does that come up to in today's sense? It's like $16,000. It's payable, right? Give me some time. I can pay this back, you know? It's, it's doable. But when this fellow servant begged for time to pay back, it wasn't taken. And matter of fact, he was responded to violently, and he was thrown into prison So while this servant, the king showed great mercy to and forgiveness, he in turn repaid another fellow servant with cruelty and violence. Verse 32. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger... His master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until they should pay back all he owed. 
the king expected this act that he did to this servant to transform him in how he dealt with others. And so, and it didn't. It did not show any transformation. And so the king decided to reinstate his debt, to throw him in prison until he could repay, which we know is never going to happen. So that's forever. He's going to be in prison forever. And then Jesus states the point of the parable right here in verse 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. See here, the point is forgiveness is a state of heart, not a matter of calculation. And we can only have this state of heart in Christ Jesus when we accept his forgiveness of us. Because then it enables us by the power of what Christ did for us to do so for others. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you, brothers and sisters. And this was not the first time the disciples heard this truth from Jesus. Earlier in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, as part of what we know as the Lord's Prayer, if you have memorized the Lord's Prayer, if you haven't, do so. I encourage you to. There's this part that says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Or another way to say it is, forgive us our trespasses or sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Immediately following the Lord's Prayer, then Jesus explains this even further in verses 14 and 15. If it, like if it didn't hit them yet, he says, for if you forgive people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive yours. Sounds pretty conditional, doesn't it? Like, oh, you've got to do something in order to be forgiven. But remember, forgiveness is a state of the heart, not a matter of calculation. And that, well, how we act is just showing how and if we really have adopted and accepted the forgiveness that Christ has given us. And are we following Jesus knowing that? Or are we still looking to Jesus for what he can give us? You know, which is calculating again, right? If I do this, I did that, then maybe you got to make my day good because I did my devotions. Oh man, my day didn't work out and I did my devotions, man. And it's all calculation. And that's not what, it's not this right state of heart. There are two important truths that Jesus revealed about life in the kingdom community through this parable. And the first is that a heart that cannot forgive is a heart in prison. Just like this guy we saw, the result of this unmerciful servant was prison without the hope of being released. And he had been forgiven this enormous debt, but in the end, he would not forgive this small debt of a fellow servant. And so, in the end, his lost his freedom because of his state of heart. Because Jesus said, unless you forgive from your heart, right, then my Father in heaven will not forgive you. It's a, it's a revelation of our hearts. And his heart was in prison of unforgiveness. And this is the important principle of kingdom, life and kingdom community in the church, is that we are to forgive as the Lord God has forgiven us. Now we might think, Okay, yeah, I'll forgive him if. <laughs> There's no if. There's no if. Just we are to forgive them. Doesn't mean we let them off the hook for maybe consequences for what they did, but we are to forgive them. And if we struggle in our hearts with bitterness or resentment towards someone, then our hearts are living in this prison of unforgiveness. 
You know, have you ever been like this with someone in your family? Where you just, uh, I'm not going to talk to them until they confess what they did to hurt me. You know, <laughs> something like that. That's very common. I've felt that way. The word in the Greek language translated here as forgive, it literally means this image of just releasing, letting go. That's all it means. To forgive means to let go. Forgiveness is the only way for you and I to look forward and release and let go the things, the hurts, the sins that have been done to us in the past. Otherwise, which is more common, I think, is that we hold on to those things and we begin to dwell on and we can't let go of those things done in the past. So we can think more of that. And in a sense, we cannot move forward. We're stuck with whatever happened to us in the past that hurt us. Or we could say, we're stuck with what we did in the past that hurt others. And we feel horrible about ourselves. And so we, we won't let that go. And we're stuck there. And we need to allow the Christ's forgiveness to allow us to be freedom to forgive ourselves as well. But it is impossible for us to forgive without first accepting the forgiveness of God in Jesus Christ. And that's the image that we see here. The king forgave if he had accepted that forgiveness and it transformed him. Different story. Different story. But what we need to remember, all our lies, all the ways we've cheated others in our lives, the way we have have twisted the truth, the way we have rejected God and lived like we're independent of him, all the ways we've disobeyed his commands are forgiven in Christ Jesus. He took that on himself. He was the scapegoat. Now, some of us try to punish ourselves for past sins instead of standing on God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ. I have an illustration of this. It's uh, about a father and daughter who are walking in a Canadian prairie. And as they were walking, just uh, I must have been in a park or something, and then they realized there was this prairie fire that was coming toward them quickly because the wind, it was kind of windy that day. And they couldn't run, outrun it. It was coming quickly. So the father knew what to do. So he, what he did is he got his lighter out and he started a fire where they were. And they burned an area of grass where they were, and then they quickly got in the middle of that area. So when the huge fire hit where they were, it went around them because there was nothing to burn where they were. And so while they still felt the heat, they didn't get the fire. And so the image of this illustration is that why do we have to punish ourselves, or why do we keep trying to punish somebody else in this unforgiveness when Christ Jesus has already taken the fire for those sins for us or for somebody else and then given us the freedom to forgive to move on the second truth that jesus revealed about the kingdom of god through this parable is that a heart that forgives is a heart that accepts god's forgiveness and this is a process brothers and sisters we have in forgiving we don't forget i mean that's the problem that i have i mean i do forget a lot of things but usually hurts or injustices, I don't forget. and It's impossible for me to forget, it seems. But to forgive means to let go. And then every time I remember that, I got to forgive that again. And then I remember it again, I got to forgive it again because all those feelings come back up again. And there's an illustration of this. 28 years ago in Taiwan, there was this young man who got really drunk one night when he was at a karaoke uh, bar. And so... In this drunkenness, he set the place on fire. 
I don't know why he did. Stupid, but he did. And then he went out. And 17 people ended up getting killed because they could not leave the place quick enough before it burned down. So 17 people were killed because of this. And the police found the boy, they arrested him, they took him and put him in jail, and then he woke up the next morning more sober, and he didn't remember anything the night before. And so when he found out what he had done, he felt horrible. He felt devastated that 17 people were killed because of what he had done. Depression set in. He was, he was very depressed. There was suicide watch for him. And then the trial was set, and meanwhile he kept just sitting in jail thinking about what he had done, beating himself up about it. And then one day he received some visitors, and it was the mother and sister of one of the victims who were killed. And they were Christians, and they met with him, and they explained to him that they forgave him. And he could believe what he was hearing. And then they went on to share why they forgave him. Because Jesus Christ, the living God in the flesh, came simply to make a way for us to be forgiven. And so because he had forgiven them of their sin, they are now willing and able to forgive him of his sin against them, their family specifically. And as they continue to explain this truth of the gospel to him, he experiences weight in his heart being lifted from him. And he was so attracted to this message from the scriptures. And so he trusted in Christ as Lord of his life and accepted God's forgiveness for him. And then he was motivated, so he he had purpose in life. So he started writing letters to every one of the families of his victims, sharing how sorry he was and asking for their forgiveness if possible. But even though he eventually was facing the death penalty for what he had done, his trial came, he was convicted because his evidence was obvious, and they actually sentenced him to death. Taiwan still does the death penalty uh, at that time. It still does. I checked. still does. Just don't practice it as frequently as they have before. But then there was such peace in his heart because he knew the living God had forgiven him. See, he was in prison physically, but his heart was no longer in prison because of the forgiveness of Christ. If you follow Jesus and you're here today, then you're part of his body. And this is so important for us as a kingdom community, to practice forgiveness to one another in any of our relationships, not even within only the kingdom community. But it's how we function in a healthy way. And if we do not follow Jesus, right now is the opportunity to do so. In the sense, by giving your heart to him and and accepting that forgiveness that you need because you are a sinner as well as we are. You accept that forgiveness. And as we sing after the message, just pray to him and offer your heart and life to him as Lord and accept that forgiveness. And the transformation, if your heart is truly, sincerely accepting him, will begin to experience this transformation in Christ. And then... We, as we follow Christ, we will not live with our hearts in the prison of unforgiveness. Let's pray. Father, we ask that this truth that you have given us and to your followers then and to us now, 
that, again, you don't ask us to do anything you haven't done yourself. And amazingly, you have given a way for us to be forgiven only because your justice was satisfied by taking that punishment on yourself, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for that. We did not deserve it. We did not earn it. But you give it freely to us because of your love for us. We pray, Lord, that that transforms us to be just like you in this way, that as you reveal to us the ways that we need to forgive those others in our lives or forgive ourselves, that you would enable us to do so by accepting your forgiveness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.